Carnival time. Oh my god, I don't think I've ever wanted to see Carnival time as badly as I want to now with my broken toe, which took me to the emergency room for New Year's Eve, which is okay, guys, because you know what? I don't like New Year's Eve. Too many explosives and drunks, and I don't need to kiss everybody in the room. You know what I mean? It's just not my thing. So, no, I don't care. But um, and, and there was kind of an interesting crew in what they call the results lobby. You go to the results lobby and you sit there with other people waiting to hear the verdict of what they have, right? In the meantime, you're all in there saying how you wound up there. <laughs> so that was my carnival. Um, that was my uh, New Year's Eve. And then New Year's Day, it was just a home recovery, basically. But now here we are with carnival time coming. And, y'all, I have two guys in the studio with me today who are both respecting the tradition of carnival but who are also innovating from it. And that's what I love about New Orleans is that we creatives, and almost everybody in the city of New Orleans, quite frankly, is creative. I don't care whether you're a car mechanic or a dental assistant or uh, you're a dental assistant one minute and you're a queen the next. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody participates one way or another. And that, by the way, is not how I felt when I first got here. And I first got here and I saw people in those weird masks throwing things to people in the streets. I was saying, oh, this is, this is weird. <laughs> this is flemish. like elitist crap. <laughs> But then I happened to be in the crowd one day on the streets with a guy who is a member of Rex, and he's grabbing for the same trash that everybody else is. And they said, oh, okay, I get it. Turn around is fair play. You're on the float one day, you're in the streets the next. There it is. There it is. All right, so I've got Kevin Fitzwilliam, who is an environmentalist. Everybody in here has more than one hat, including me. He's an environmentalist, and he's now a Mardi Gras Shall I just say throw, or shall I say jewelry, or shall I say bead? Well, you know, it's funny because one day it's it's a throw, and then the next day it's back to jewelry. There you go. But uh, but yeah, these are necklaces and bracelets um, that are available for riders who want meaningful specialty throws. The other guy in here is Alton Osborne, who I've also I've, I've I think I've known you, Alton, longer than I've known Kevin. Although it was I've just known after the storm, Kevin for quite a while, but way back Jazz yeah. Fest days, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. How many? More than a decade for uh, at sure. At least that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was at a Jazz Fest. What am I talking years about? Years. A decade because um, <laughs> we worked together at Colton School. Right, and right, that right. Was just 05, after the storm. But right. Another decade before yeah, that. At yeah, least. we go way back, Jane. Oh my God! <laughs> I better shut up. to reveal ages here. Um, but Alton is Alton. a. Alton, Alton, Alton is a clothing designer, is an artist, and now runs one of the best bakeries in the city of New Orleans, if not the entire South, (laughs) called Bywater Bakery, and they have an incredible carnival kickoff day coming on, of course, 12th night day. The 6th of January, Sunday, with a, with a whole unbelievable, I call it a pageant. It is a, a pageant. <laughs> it's a, a cavalcade. Yeah, Sunday. this is our, our second anniversary. Um, we've done things inside on the, the house piano, which many people have come in and found a really nicely tuned piano and enjoy playing it. At so a bakery, guys. At a bakery. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah we'll either have room for more tables or have room for a piano and entertain people. And wow. I opted for the piano, and it's, uh, it's, it's paid off in dividends. It's, it's just a great space that people come in here, music, and, uh, it's morphed into, uh, you know, not just your mama's bakery. It's, uh, you know, it's a place, it's a community center of sorts that people come through and express themselves. And we're, uh, celebrating our second anniversary on January 6th. Okay. I just want to ask you all, how many bakeries do you know that kick off Carnival and Mardi Gras with a music lineup. Al, Carnival Time Johnson, Deacon John, Herlin Wrighty, one of the one of the best drummers in history. Yeah, you're right. Corey Henry, Tom McDermott, Pinettes Brass Band, one of the best. Washboard Chaz, Soul Brass Band, New Orleans Klezmer, All Stars, Indians. Baby dolls, skeletons, and God, more? Yeah, it's all going on. We're, we're all going down. Not only just great king cakes, but all of that entertainment for free. And that's 10 to 5, right? No cover. No cover at all. No cover. Now, it's in honor of 
an incredibly exotic array of king cakes. Yeah, 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 you're right. Uh, my, my, uh, my wife is a king cake queen, and uh, we have done eight filled king cakes in the past, and this year we're offering three savory cakes on top of that. So, um, Savory. Wait, now, this has got to be a first, right? Oh, yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, maybe it's been done before. I don't know, but I'm just saying that it's very creative. Uh, we have a, a savory king cake baked in our house bread. Um, it is a crawfish, there is a boudin, and there is a... Uh, spinach artichoke. I and have never heard of that. Yeah, before. I've never heard of it. Well, it, it's all all top. It looks like a traditional king cake, and that it's purple, golden, green. But it's purple, golden, green dyed Parmesan cheese. So once you bake it, the cheese melts. <laughs> you come up to a party with this the savory cake. It, again, looks just like the traditional cake, but you cut into this thing, and it's full chock full of uh, those three ingredients I described. Good, really, healthy, really good. Wonderful Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, it's healthy. Oh my God, and it is crawfish season. <laughs> yeah, Somebody right. the other day I said something about crawfish. He says, "Well, that's got to be frozen." And this was a guy who was not from here, so he thought it was really smart in saying it's not. I'm sorry, crawfish are out. It's on. It's They're on. out. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so give me some of the other cakes. Uh, there is our traditional brioche cake. Uh, you know, traditional, most people are, are accustomed to the cinnamon top, what everyone does. Uh, we do ours in an ooey-gooey butter, and it's much more moist. It's rich. It's much... Uh, Gentle bite. Uh, now, when you say ooey gooey, is that like an official title? It's, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's title. Yeah, I'm learning these bakery bakery terms because you know, Gene, I was never in this business until I met Miss Wright about three years ago. So, um, it's an ooey gooey butter. Um, it looks like sprinkles inside. It definitely creates a moist texture. And in that, so that's our traditional. Um, then there's a uh, apple, uh, pecan praline, uh, strawberry cheesecake. Oh, so many to keep up with. I know we're changing up so many this year, but my emphasis is on the savory. So again, the, uh. I got, I'm blown away. I mean, I really, as I said, innovative. There's nothing more innovative than having a bunch of music in a ba- First of all, let me clarify now. We call it a bakery, but it is a kind of cafe. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. We do do we do do breakfast and lunch, and we're open seven days a week. But we were closed on Wednesdays. Uh, my wife and I went to Thailand for a month of August, and one of our very innovative uh, bakers decided to go to New York and did a stage at a bag- at a bagel place. We came back. We decided to reopen doing bagels on Wednesdays only. I was that. I was trying to figure out the whole bagels on Wednesday because yeah. I was there today, it's, and I wanted to order whatever, and it was like bagels. Yeah, just lady. bagels. I mean, bagels. You'll find that most bagel, bagel places only do bagels because it's a three-day process to make really good bagels. Oh, yeah. I see. So we start. Really? Yeah, wow. we start no on idea. Monday, roll them out on Tuesday, Wednesdays. It's bagels only. And today we had 20 dozen that I think were just about gone by the time you oh got there this afternoon. Oh my God! Well, let so me say, I had a uh, everything bagel. And yeah. I'm from New York, yeah. so I'm really fussy about my bagels. And, I don't like that Disney? junk that you get in the, st- in the stores that they call bagels. Mm. And and your bagels, that everything bagel was the best I've ever had. There it is. I, there I'm, it not, is. I'm not saying that because you're Thanks, in the Jean. room. No, no, I, I do hear it from, from bagel yeah. snobs that say, you know, this really is the real this deal. This is the real happened. thing. Yeah, yeah. So the, the one day that we had closed, well, shucks, now we're selling bagels. But, you know, it's uh, it keeps us... Uh, Keeps us fresh, and you never know what you're going to catch at Bywater Bakery. So and it's, it's a beautiful setting too, because it's just it's just a really nice, um, very arty, always uh, an art show on the walls, and um, very kind of rustic uh, accoutrement, so to speak, and um, uh, you know windows overlooking the street. I'm, I'm I'm I like restaurants that have windows overlooking the street. I just have a thing about that. I always want to sit by the window. I want to, mm-hmm. I want that daylight. So it's it's a beautiful place and beautiful stuff. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank we'll you. We'll come back to you, but I want to talk to uh, get Kevin in here. Ke- Kevin, again, I've known Kevin. So, see, this was before Katrina too. Thank God. Thank God. I I. Um, I mean, the downside of of being a very I call it a very nonprofit, extremely nonprofit, and not having a, a dime, so you wind up having to have interns and feel guilty. But on the other hand, you meet all these great kids. I mean, he was a kid when he was there, who have all the spirit and optimism and brilliance in the world, and then they're going to go on and do big things. And everybody who's ever passed through my shop, I just want y'all to know out there. If, if you need an intern position, you call Gene Nathan. Okay, you can find me online. And um, I'll, I'll put you to work, and you will get one great job after you leave my shop, because after you leave my shop, you're ready for anything, believe me. And, um, oh, God, I said I said that almost like somebody I know in the White House. Believe <laughs> me. Oh, Lord. But um, Kevin. You guys are both New Yorkers. 
Huh? You're both New Yorkers. Uh, 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 I'm a different kind of New Yorker from him. <laughs> Trust me. Uh-oh, I said it again. <laughs> no, he's, he's a different kind of New Yorker entirely. He's a, he's a, he's a bad kind. He's yeah, a bad right. kind. Okay. So Kevin is an environmentally oriented person, but I, I, I don't know how he got onto this, so he's going to tell me right now. But now he's making this incredibly unique and beautiful uh, Mardi Gras beaded jewelry in a very unique way and with unique stuff. Tell me about it. How did you get started with this? Yeah. Where did um, it come from? You know, Alton had uh, had mentioned an artist named Katrina Breeze in the city that a lot of yeah. people know. Right. And Katrina and I had become friends um, in, in just the whole post-Katrina world of people doing things in the city. But one of the things that I've cared about, and along with a lot of other people, is about Mardi Gras and helping Mardi Gras to move to, in the right direction as far as – just where we get our stuff, our our items, and how much trash there is on the ground, and the plastic, and the everything. Just um, as somebody who loves New Orleans and, and everything, and, and Mardi Gras, and I costume, but I, at the same time, it's really hard for me to digest. And again, along with a lot of other people, to just digest how much trash there is. This is one of the many cogs in the wheel that are as a part of those solutions. How I got specifically into this in, in with Atlas Handmade Beads was. Basically, just doing research online, connecting. This is about three years ago, starting to just connect with groups all over the world, calling people in uh, Asia, in South America, in the United States, in Africa. I mean, I was the majority of the continents were were, uh, were reached by me at some level of conversations by email and phone, and I was just looking for people who could supply alternatives to Chinese plastic beads at least in some level, to at least give the people who, who do care about that an option um, and to start a small business doing this. And so basically the cream that rose to the top as far as who was answering my emails and, you know, and actually having a good conversation with me and trustworthy and, and, the, and you know, the look and the, the, the fact that we could tinker back and forth, I, I wound up um, being able to contact people who live in the United States half the time and in Uganda half the time. And they helped the ladies in the villages in Uganda to uh, make the color combinations that you see here in front of you. Uh, so I brought in some stuff to the studio that's purple, green, and gold, and multicolored, and some Saints colors. So, so I mean, this is just so random. You know, like, uh, so, so people who spend part of the time in America and part of the time in Uganda, who are those people? They are people who help to manage nonprofit organizations that help these women's standard of living to improve. So beating – so the, the necklaces and the bracelets that you, got, that you see on the table, you can find magazine paper, necklaces or bracelets all over the country, all over the world. My role in this and the role of Atlas Handmade Beads is really to just help them to on the marketing side for New Orleans and and the color combinations. So, you know, Gene, if I was to go into a college town like in Ohio State for Columbus or any any other, you could probably find a fair trade store that somewhere in the back has recycled magazine paper bracelets that probably sit on the shelf. And there's some stores in New Orleans where you can find Recycled magazine paper jewelry, and it's kind of just an it's an intricate thing that fits into that fair trade world. What what my role in this is to basically just bring that front and center and say, look, let's make a statement by wearing this, or let's make a statement if you're in a parade by throwing it or handing it. We should say because it's really it's jewelry that they're they're throwing. It, this is designed to be an alternative for specialty throws. Right. So it's kind of like uh, an alternative. Let's say it, it's in the class with the old glass check beads that. A, a few people who ride still throw very mm-hmm. very few, but um, uh, so uh, but 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 still I, I want to go back to um, the beginning of this. I still want to ask my question again. How did you get to the idea of beads? Because. Mardi Gras is such such a wonderful thing, but I am one of the tens of thousands of people that are out there who, you know, Gene, there are people who don't go to parades because they feel, and I know this for a fact, that they they don't go to parades because they feel burdened by the amount of stuff that they get. And there are people out there that want quality over quantity when it comes to just, you know, if you're out there on on that Saturday or that Sunday and it's a beautiful day and on the uptown route, you might have four or five parades pass through and you're just collecting stuff and stuff and stuff. And at the end of the day, a lot of people just end up donating that back to organizations like the Ark or St. Michael's. Um, what, what they're really excited about are the bees that you mentioned, the glass beads, 
or they're really excited about catching something like this, which, you know, comes with a tag that says what it is. And that's, that's how it's me being like everybody else, somebody on the street who, when you catch something really unique, if you're going to Muses and you catch a shoe, or if you're going to Nixon, you catch a purse. This just is another one of those things that fits into that category of like, you know, just shifting people over towards quality. It's, it's, it's from having gone to Mardi Gras my whole life. And it's like, well, how much, how many, you know, plastic beads can we get? And then, you know, the, the tradition being, well, we're going to give those away at the end of the year anyway. This is really something that's like, I know it's just, it's just part of helping people to have that mindset that, you know what? Maybe we can do things a little bit differently. It's creative. It's helping people. It just checks off all of the boxes. It checks off the social boxes, the creative boxes, and just that connection between the rider and the, and the person on the float that people want to have. How do the prices for this, which is basically handcrafted, right? Yeah. This is not like running it through some big old factory in China, as you said, where people are getting paid $2 a day or something. And um, – so, so how, how it, it's it's handcrafted. How expensive is it in comparison to the plastic stuff? Well, you know, it depends because some of those plastic items, if you go and look in the stores, um, you know, and, and all of the large bead suppliers, some of those plastic items that have beautiful emblems and they're they're really fancy and the the bling beads and the light up beads and all this, like that whole category, those these are comparable to those prices. So a lot of times. You know, you might, you might find items that are your specialty plastic items with all of those emblems that might cost six, seven or eight dollars. And that these are going to cost less than that actually. So riders can actually buy these in bulk. If we're talking about a whole float getting involved, it could be down to the three dollar a piece range as your specialty throws as opposed to paying five or six dollars. So in some cases it's less. If you compare them to your everyday, you know, pearls that, that we all catch and, you know, those are pennies a piece or a dime or whatever, whatever it may be. It's not even worth. They discussing it's a different category anymore, and they just wind up in the street or again in, in the sewers so, so they they do and that touches on the other topic you know last year myself and three other locals um brett davis rachel jean fro and gabe Bordnave were all part of organizing the largest volunteer driven recycling effort in the history of mardi gras and it was on the uptown route <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> yeah and there were 70 we had 75 volunteers on the first weekend of mardi gras I don't know what the numbers were. It was a very high amount of some number of tons of aluminum and then all of the plastic that we collected that we diverted from landfills. And um, and then also we all of the beads that we collected, we brought those to the Ark. This effort with Atlas Handmade Beads fits into that entire circle of all of the options. What I, The way I envision this is that there just needs to be this this wheel where any it needs to be spinning. And anyone in this city, whatever you mentioned, this is a city of artists, and it is. No matter what you do, at some point in your year, you have a welcome mat to become an artist in New Orleans. And so that Russian roulette ball that spins as far as Mardi Gras goes with the cut instead of and black, it's colors purple, green, and gold, and you can hop on at any time. There are opportunities for people to become involved in helping Mardi Gras to go in the right direction, whether it's helping Mardi Gras to improve recycling, to um, w- whether it's improving the throws, whether it's improving how much people costume. All these options are improving available. Improving king cakes. I mean, yeah. there's a, a lot of crummy king cakes out there that I really – I hated with all that frosty goo and, and, and cheap dough and – you know, just bad don't, for you, bad don't, for you. Don't you knock my Mackenzie's King Cake that I grew up on uh, from in, the, in, in the 80s. Well, I just put my foot in oh, it, right? There no more. You know, that girl from somewhere else, <laughs> or from away, as they say here. I'm sorry. Okay. All right, well, I just didn't like them. So you know what I used to do? I used to buy the French ones that uh, – that, um, La uh, Madeleine. That, uh, yeah, La Madeleine that, and, that. and uh, the other guys on um, – on Magazine Street. Uh, La Boulangerie. Out. I like those better with the almond paste in it. Yeah, those dry things. Flaky <laughs> crust. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I, 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 there are a lot of things about Carnival that can stand to be improved. And clearly beads was one of them because I was really annoyed with all that plastic stuff. I, I rode muses a few times. I, I couldn't uh, stay with it. But um, one year I actually threw little um, boxes of chocolate. And um, uh, other years, I threw some check beads. I didn't find people really craving them, quite frankly. I mean, if I were out in the crowd, I would have chased that float for the rest of the parade because oh, I they, like the check beads. The, the, the amazing thing with these beads here, though, they, they look so much like the color schemes look like the check beads, and they're really just beautiful. And I, I can't wait to carry these at the bakery. I mean, they're 
really very thoughtful and the, the idea that they're made by Ugandan women. And, you know, you said that changes in Mardi Gras, you know, some things need change, but there are traditions that need to stay. And um, I learned that my, my brother was a filmmaker. Um, he did this documentary all on a Mardi Gras day, and there are things that I think, as a New Orleans native, that, you know, of course, yes, I miss Claiborne Avenue. I miss when Mardi Gras ran down that, that you know, beautiful boulevard. But um, change has come, but um, traditions, I think, are just so important to to the longevity of the city. But but to, to reinterpret them is not a bad oh, thing. No, it's I a mean, beautiful thing. When, when you right, go back in right. the history of, of Mardi Gras and you go back to the really uh, the very beginning, I don't know how much you – I'm sure you guys, I'm sure you both and Kevin, I know because of you working on this, you've gone back and looked at some of those old books that like um, – who's that guy who writes all the books about Mardi Gras? Arthur Hardy? Schindler, no. Oh. Uh, 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 Henri Schindler, and uh, so he has the books on all the old jewelry and the, and the uh, invitations that were done and the costumes. Oh my God, there's one book he has on the costumes and floats, and they were just amazing. Yeah. And we've gotten away from some of the artistry that was involved in those to, you know, buying um, more mass-produced stuff. And so I think that there's no reason why you can't respect tradition. And innovate at the same time. And to me, that's the heart of New Orleans. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I, this is just one of the many things that are happening with people innovating and respecting traditions around Mardi Gras. And I see it all the time. I was this, this, uh, this summer, um, the Urban Conservancy helped to host a conference called The Future of Mardi Gras. And it was basically just like a listening session for people to come in. And there was some panels and, and everything. But it, if you look at what's happened after Katrina um, with the influx of the marching crews and how many – what do we have, 40 or 50 individual dance group marching crews and all that? That's all – that all goes back to our original traditions of, of and the smaller social aid and pleasure clubs and everything else. So you have all these people who are interested. And a lot of times people just need that platform to get in um but it's I, I don't think anybody would disagree that we it's just it's not a healthy thing to be sending you know the the old way that we used to judge the su- success of mardi gras with how much how much trash did we put into a landfill right. i mean at least we don't at least we don't publicly state that anymore as a city um but i want to i want to find out how many how many tons did we divert from a landfill you know that and there's people there are people out there who want to do that and there's volunteers but um anyway there's there's a lot of efforts that are going on and um I'm actually – I'll be meeting this week with, with that same original core that we started that recycling effort with last year. We're talking about doing something that could be in the crew delusion that is a recycling group, and it's all in costume. There's there's an undercurrent of people who are trying to figure out how do we incorporate all of the fun and the creativity, but yet just like let's – you know, without, without just ignoring the environmental impact of everything. So, um, Kevin, did you come to the event that I did not – I can't remember now because I have a terrible sense of time, whether it was last year or the year before, it called the Meeting of the Courts? No. Okay. So, you know, the Meeting of the Courts mm-hmm. is theoretically the meeting of Rex and Comus yeah. on Mardi Gras night that is only to be attended by the most exclusive um, uh, clubs in the city, mm-hmm. right, people in the city. Um, but I did this event, uh, and it was really on behalf of an art show that Morgan Malthrop did at the New Orleans um, Art Center on uh, St. Claude. And um, he, he did a whole thing about, you know, what would happen if Alexander the Great came to New Orleans during uh, uh, Carnival and what would he think of, you know, all the fake royalty and that stuff. That was kind of the theme of his show. Mm-hmm. But what I did was bring together, like, Mardi Gras Indian tribes and um, the baby dolls, um, along with some of the new, like the Chewbacca's and the mm-hmm. T-Rex and the, the young sort of, um, again, from away people who had come to the city. And that's one of the things that's fascinating about New Orleans, too, is because one minute you're from away and the next minute you are deep in New Orleans Carnival, right? And so these kids who do these parades are just as much into it as people who were born here and lived there, here all their lives. But So the meeting of the courts was the meeting of all the... Royalty of these That's awesome. street groups downtown. I, 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 I'd love to do it again. I don't have the bandwidth to do it. Maybe we should talk and see if there's some kids out there who want to keep it going because um, I think it's a valid idea to have a meeting of the courts that isn't just Comus and Rex. Yeah, love it. Because it's, it's, it's again, it's, it's a innovation Could- and tradition. Sounds like a, sounds like a task for Bywater Bakery. We <laughs> 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 Started out with the King's Day party, and 
Um, the Crew de Vue is, uh, was that, two weeks before Carnival, and that's also been our little jumping-off part that point that we are kind of house band. It's a soul brass band with Derek Freeman and company. And whenever I needed a gig or any brass band, they seem to be available for me. For, so for the last two years, I'm sure coming up this year, we'll do a second line from Bywater Bakery to the start of the Crew de Vue Parade. And oh, wow. It's uh, all these traditions. Again, it goes back to traditions. Yep. And, yeah, you know, my mom is from Mobile, and um, she was a Mardi Gras queen in Mobile, and you were mentioning throwing chocolates. Well, she used to throw moon pies, and I guess they still do throw moon oh, pies. Oh, yeah, moon I, pies. I, is, uh, I can't tear myself away from New Orleans. For, 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 right, right, right. Uh, so I, I d- can't say never, but I've never been to Mobile for Carnival because I live here, and, you know, how am I going to leave this from Mobile? You have to think about some kind of, like, little mini king Yeah, maybe cake. that's the thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, like, you know, here's one of, one of my favorite things. In New Orleans, that I love to buy in St. Bernard at a place called Barker's Dozen. You probably never heard of Barker's well, Dozen. That sounds like dog treats, is it? Barker's mm-hmm. Dozen is all the way almost to Poitras, and they have donut holes. Right. Not the donuts, but the donut holes. And I buy yep. them every time we have an event down at the Crevasse 22 Riverhouse mm-hmm. art thing down in Poitras. I go buy a bundle of these donut holes, which mm. I crave. Can you imagine a little king cake donut holes? So are these wrapped and certainly not wrapped no, in no, plastic? No, 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 no. They're just like, just like you go into a donut store and the donuts are all piled up in a bin of mm. this kind and that kind and that kind. And they'll have uh, the sugar-coated, the jelly donuts, the chocolate ones. And I'll buy them all, but I buy half jelly and half everything else because the jellies with the powdered sugar I crave. Mm-hmm. And I try to squirrel a few away and take them home and freeze them. I'm really pathetic. And I I literally put them in the freezer and I have them when I want just a little something. Hmm. But uh, what about little sort of like like little teeny king cakes in a sense? My my concern is the throw. I mean, how how do you keep that sanitized in a way to leave one person's hand to another? Well, well, you know, I was thinking you guys could team up with T-Rex and have have a float that was specifically for the small king cake if you wanted to. Well. Well, that's that the idea. Well, thanks for this connection. Yeah. How's that? Very good idea. And you know what? I buy T-Rex floats at the auction every year. And um, this year I bought the one. Did, do you go to the T-Rex auction? I've been auction? to it, but no, no, not the auction. Okay, so they auction off the, the floats. Mm-hmm. And this year they had a float for the Pelican, Seymour de Fair. Yeah. And I worked the fair, of course. I was head of PR, lucky me. And um, Morgan Mothrop, my buddy, um, uh was like a compa- would always companion the the pelican, and he and I actually rode in a convertible in Rex, in Bach. Can you imagine this? Now we're mm-hmm. in a convertible with the pelican. This the, you, yeah. do you remember Seymour sure. Fair? Yeah, of course. The pelican and and loaded with trinkets and crap in the convertible, and we're totally naive, so we don't know that half of what was in the car is going to be taken out when you hit the I-10. But nonetheless, we're at the front of Bacchus and the front of Rex. Oh, my God. That was just like, and I'm wearing a boat on my head. It was high point of my life. That Literally like a ball. high point of my life. But, um, yeah, so I bought the, the, the um, T-Rex uh, Pelican World's Fair with the um, the – Scott, what do you call those things again? They went across the river. Can you yeah, the, the gondola. The gondola, yeah. the gondola, thank you. And um, the gondola. Yeah, yeah. gondola. All right. right. All right. And and the uh, Seymour de Fair and all kinds of things to do with the World's Fair. So, um, all right. What other things have you got up your sleeve, Kevin? What's is bees going to be? I mean, you, you've barely gotten off the ground. And actually, I wanted to also ask you about the marketing. So both of you guys are business people. So you're not just artists; you're entrepreneurs. And that combination again is a very important combination. And that's what my organization, the Creative Alliance of New Orleans, is all about. We try to promote that. So here you are. Both of you are both artists and entrepreneurs. So I want to know about how you have gone about marketing and foresee the marketing, and then I want to know about other um, innovations and products you might have in the back of your mind. Not that I want you to give away any ideas <laughs> to anybody, but yes, I do. <laughs> well, um, I guess in my, in my previous life as a clothing designer, um, I made a lot of relationships with musicians. I listened to music as inspiration. I would then find these artists at Jazz Fest. I would make a, a contribution to them and just a, a gift of thanks 
And inevitably, they'd call me back and say, man, it's a really great shirt. I need to wear that on tour. And, you know, I need a dozen more. And that kind of kept me afloat for my whole existence until they kind of opened this business, uh, this bakery business. Um, I've since called out a lot of favors on these position friends to come come on out. I'm uh, doing cakes now. And come, please come, come play. And, um, you know, it, it all really works really well to, to – uh, karmically, the, the universe just kind of works that way. You know, it, you give and you get, the yin and the yang. And, and um, I guess, you know, as in this new life of mine, my wife is the creative one in the bakery sense. She does the, the, the baking that comes with the ideas of what to put out there. But And by the way, his wife is the creator of the Chantilly cake that Whole Foods sells that is so famous, but she's the one who did that, just so you know. And she still makes them at Bywater Bakery, and you should buy them there instead of from the Amazon-owned Whole Foods. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so uh, that, that said, um, I create the vibe. She creates the product. And I, I'm thinking now, um, friends of music, um, what was has since been lost in the Bywater has been the Merleton Festival. And we are now looking to resurrect that and uh, working with my friend Don Marshall from the Jazz and Heritage Foundation. We're talking about um, resurrecting that and doing something that is just such a neighborhood-based, uh, such a wealth of musicians in the neighborhood itself. And um, the idea that to, to bring something back, um, I think, I don't know how long the Melaton Festival was going on, but it certainly has been a few years a since while. it was there. Yeah. It, it had growth. It had feel. It was really organic. And who doesn't like Melaton? So the idea of putting something together, I think that we're looking to produce that sometime in the early fall of next year. But, uh, you know, well, that's this year. Do I hear in Melaton King King? No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> well, you're giving away secrets. So. <laughs> Kevin, what about you? Where do you go from here? Uh, where? Well, there's a lot of work to be done Just specifically. Yes, yeah, specifically. No. But on that, you know, I, I mentioned before we came in the studio that I went through – the Launch NOLA Entrepreneurship Program. That's a great group in town that was really helpful for me to be able to develop a website. So some of the initial steps on, you know, a Wix website or press releases and, and things like that. Um, but uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be sitting down with the the lady in New Orleans, a friend of mine named Kat Landrum, a second-story creative who made these tags. And her and I are going to be having what we call our Entrepreneur's Breakfast that we, we meet up with uh maybe every couple of weeks, months. Um, and her and I are going to get together because what I want to do with this is, you know, Mardi Gras is a one-time-a-year celebration. My goal with Atlas Handmade Beads is not to just have it be a Mardi Gras business, but I'm expanding um, – I'm doing school fundraisers, and so I want to help students to be able to shift away from selling world's finest chocolate and selling brownies or wrapping paper, candles, wow. all of that category yeah. of stuff right. that all of us have sold or have had kids who sold, um, to be able to get them selling something that represents global citizenship, sustainability, where our products come from. That's going to be my focus uh, coming up. Um, I did a great fundraiser with Mount Carmel just with their drama students. Um, the girls in the play that raised they they raised over a thousand dollars. There's a school. Uh-oh. There's a, mm-hmm, yeah, just 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 with 15 students. They're all extroverts. So you know when they, when you're in the play, you can go out and sell. But uh, New Harmony right down the street is a is a first year school, and um, I'm working with them on a fundraiser. And they they were raising money for a women's shelter. I want to be able to have this be a center point where people are raising money for other positive causes, and that so you know Atlas would be in the middle of that, and the role of Atlas would be to help people tell the story, and to help people connect with okay, well what is this? W- what are some other things in my my life where I could look at alternatives. Where is the, where is my shirt? Where does this tag say that my shirt is coming from? The possibilities for that, I'm not really sure, but I need, I'm taking this one step at a time. Um, but um, I have other ideas that I, that I'm working on. Um, and some of those are costume related uh, characters that I have created. And one of those I think has legs. And uh, I got paid as a uh, street performer last year for the very first time with one of those characters at French Quarter Fest. Um, and I'm working on uh, some really fun stuff with that. There's a potential to be in a commercial as one of these characters. You know which one I'm talking about. You've seen, you've seen uh, Frankie Vegas. Uh, this, <laughs> but there's some other things I'm working on. I, I illustrated a coloring book when I was, um, you know, with Holly Grove Market and Farm, which I was a big part of. And I'm thinking about doing a, a second one of those. But these are all things that are just out there. Maybe I don't get to some of those, but I'm just doing it one step at a time. Tell me, um, uh, let's go to some of the lessons that you've learned um, uh, as you've uh, as you've um, navigated from one kind of world to another. There you were with a uh, organic farming uh, group, and 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 
you know, you've, you've been involved in environmental thinking, you've done a radio show, uh, and now you're doing the beads. Uh, and let's go to the idea of some of the lessons, both of you, and you've, you've done this also, Elton, having worked uh, in your design field, you had a store for a long time, you were at Jazz Fest a lot. Um, uh, tell me about some of the um, kind of like, have you ever read the column, A Corner Office in the New York Times? There's a great, it's a great column. Have. So it's, it's, it's uh, interviews with people who have risen up the ranks yes. and are corporate leaders. And what were some of their uh, experiences that helped shape who they were as uh, entrepreneurs and what has made them successful? So, so what are some of the lessons that you've learned in the process of what you do that would be of value to somebody who's out there who's got an idea like this? I mean, going from the idea to the product – to marketing it, to making money at it, to being able to sustain yourself at it. Those are a lot of big leaps. Well, when I succeed at it, I'm going to let you know <laughs> because I am going through that process right now, and it's all a labor of love. I mean, this is um, this is figuring it out. I was in the Superdome this year, and I'm, I've, my friends alongside with me were wearing the Saints bracelets that, that I have. Um, and I'm, so, so about four of us in this row were wearing it. But I think out of the other 70,000 people in the dome, I don't think anyone else knew that these Saints bracelets exist. So I'm still learning these lessons right now and figuring out how to, um, you know, how to, how to make, get people aware of it. But it's, it's a step by step process. I know that for me, this is, I have gone through those, Feelings of maybe, maybe I just need to just put this aside and, and just focus on, I just need to completely shift into some of these other things that I was talking about. And, and I think the biggest thing that I have learned as far as maintaining my composure, because there, there are several times throughout the past two years that I have com I've just lost it inside of my apartment and been like, well, because this happened or because that happened or this relationship or that. And it's just, it's a, it's just these tides that come in and out and I'm just waiting I'm those familiar out. With this. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what's for me and personally that is difficult because my personality is like as soon as something bad happens and then oh. I can, I can see something cratering. But if I just wait that out, so getting, thinking about a competitor or thinking about, um, oh, well, this is a relationship that I've been working on for six months and they're not seeing it like I'm seeing it and nothing's happened, but all that time has been invested. But, but reality, if you, if you just, if you, if you keep so many of those relationships juggling at one time, I'm gonna give you one example. I, because of the work that I did with, um, volunteering that with, uh, the recycling effort on St. Charles and Napoleon, um, this past Mardi Gras, um, I, I developed a relationship with the Ark of Greater New Orleans because they were accepting all the beads and the bracelets. And so I approached, you know, from representing Atlas Handmade Beads, I approached the Ark uh, with uh, the idea of why not partner? Why not? Why don't we all just come together? We're all in this boat together. Um, and why don't we offer a package? And that came through my experience with Hollygrove Market and Farm, offering a $25 box of produce. And I approached the ARC with the idea of why don't we offer a package that riders can just go to your website and click yes on a $500 mixed bag package that just appears at their doorstep or appears at their um, at the den. That's a great and idea. so those that gives you an idea. It's really just like boom, boom, just throw out these ideas and like maybe one of them doesn't – maybe one of those ideas doesn't stick – and you have to throw it back at the wall and then throw it back at again. And maybe I'm going tomorrow to a boutique at West Jeff um, Hospital. To, to, and she I'm familiar with that boutique. Yeah. They have a lot of yeah. traffic. Right. So they're going to – she wants to see a whole show and tell. Well, I keep a list of all these folks who I contact. And the, the first lady who was working – basically, I just waited out until somebody retired. And then the next lady who replaced that lady is like, wow, this is great. These are beautiful. And it's just personal taste from the last person. Yeah. So some of this right. is just dogged determination. Yeah. But honestly, it's going to have to be where I'll let you know when it when the, when the dust settles in two years. <laughs> no, but years. I think that uh, there's a lot to what you say because I often I watch uh, some people. You know, they always say that um, what was some major literary publication just recently that hit hit it very very big was rejected dozens of times before it got accepted, and that happens all the time. Yeah. And so, all Catcher in the Rye, are you talking about? That was in the news, and I know Which that one? that was one. Was it Catcher in the Rye that you're talking no. about? Okay, because no. I know that okay. that was one of them. Yeah, well, that, exactly. that kind of has that similar story. Or Confederacy, Confederacy of Dunces. Um, yeah, right, that's true. Right. Postmortem. Uh, right, right. I, I, um, I guess one thing I've learned. Um, I, 
worked solo for so long, my whole career as an artist, a uh, uh, textile artist, clothing designer, was working by myself and finding myself up late, late nights and doing my own thing. Uh, the storm happened. I went to work at the Colton School where I was down the dean of fashion, and I had an opportunity to work with kids where I taught screen printing and textile work and sewing classes and things. And Again, my, my life as a solo artist uh, was uh, I opened up and, and found I could offer things to other people and be less, not so selfish, but, you know, teach others my craft. Uh, cut to. Uh, uh, let, let me just say, as the as the person who founded Studios at Colton, I need that testimony from my grant making. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the fact that it had that effect on you, that's oh, really it, it interesting. Was a life it was really, important. really just a life changing yeah. thing, and it, yeah. I've, I'll always be indebted. It was really great. Um, so from that, again, working solo, then taking on uh, interns, uh, which for a number of years and continued to work with me. Um, now in this life shift, uh, owning a bakery. Um, I find that working with others was something that I'm now able to do. Um, I provide uh, positions, uh, working positions for at least 12 people now. And these are neighborhood folks that need jobs, that have kids, that are you know, trying to make their way through. And I'm How grateful. How cool is that? No, I feel really grateful. That's I mean, a really you know, good feeling. In, yeah. Including, you know, we have a young artist, Jazz Henry, who's a trumpet player for Pinettes, who will be performing on Sunday. Um, but having these, these personalities, you know, kids that, that – um, I mean, ordinarily just wouldn't get a shot uh, at the front of the house, let alone the back of the house. So, you know, Jazz is my, my, my counter gal, and she's learning how to make king cakes, and that's been the case with at least three or four employees. That So uh, so that's part of the success story of, of Bywater Bakery? Because that, that was the next question I was going to ask is, you know, how did Bywater Bakery – a leap off the street and become uh, – it, it's its already – it's an institution. That's, that's How old six. is it now? Just so we're, we're, this is our second anniversary coming up January I mean, 6th. it's unbelievable because it, it really has caught on. I was in there today. What time was I in there? It was, only, it was about 2 o'clock. Mm. And I, it was – when I first walked in, it wasn't that crowded. And then it just started filling up and filling up. I was like, what is this, lunch hour at 2.30 in the <laughs> afternoon? What's going we're on? We're only there until 3, so it's usually that, that last-minute uh, – uh, rush to get in, yeah. but we are, we'll be staying open until five because, you know, again, um, we find it this king cake season. That's what we've really been looking forward to. Um, and for those that can't make it home from work in time or can't get need king cakes for work the next day, we'll be open the seven to five throughout now from starting Sunday through Carnival. Say that again. Seven to five. We're expanding our hours to oh, be available. For I'm, I'm happy those. to hear that because I'm always kind of disorganized about getting places. My husband is not happy with me. I'm often late. <laughs> so uh, that three o'clock. Oh my God, it's three o'clock and I can't get my pie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're there till five now. And, uh, <laughs> and pies is my thing. And, and getting the pies from you has been a, a treat. Custom, custom pies. I call and I say, can I have please sugar-free apple pie? To me, that is like a diamond ring. That mm. is so important. And, and I can get them uh, through. Um, I don't know. If you want me to put that out on the street that you do custom? Oh, stuff. no, sure. We'll do. We'll do anything. We know, we're, again, we're really new at this. We're two years old. Um, so how do started, you? What, what do you attribute your success to? My wife's recipes. Uh, Chaya Conrad is a great baker. Uh, she called herself a tartist when she was 16 a years tartist? old, working in a bakery in uh, in upstate New York. And uh, you know, she went to Culinary Institute of uh, the. the uh, CIA, uh, Culinary Institute of America, and uh, she went on to uh, do great things in bakeries. She was the bakery director for Whole Foods and then Rouse's, and now has this opportunity to do her thing three blocks from the house. It's real easy commute to commute, but you know it's it's a long day. You know we're we're there for six every morning, and, and now seven days a week with these. That's babies. all it's, six in the morning. I thought bakers were well, there we, at three. Well, we I got a guy for that. I, you know, I can hire for that. So, you know, fortunately we have a dependable. Uh, Dependable crew that shows up on time, and we've been really very fortunate. Fantastic. No, you're right. And, um, and, and so of all the things that you sell, what would you? Um, what are some of the most popular and creative items that have captured people's imagination? For me, of course, it's the pies, as I said. But well, yeah, I mean, aside from the, from the sweets, we also do savory. And uh, there's, a, there's a, a writer, many writers come and hang out at the bakery. I'd like to pride myself on the soundtrack because I, I really, you know, again, I'm the vibe of the place. My wife's the recipes. So, you know, my soundtrack is, you know, just my iPod on shuffle, and, and people tend to enjoy it. So people stay for hours, and one writer in particular is a writer for uh, for GQ Magazine, the food writer. And for what? Uh, a, a writer, a food writer for GQ Magazine. The GQ Yeah, magazine. his name is Brett Martin. And Brett is here with regularity. Really? And I didn't know he wrote yeah, them. Yeah, mm-hmm. So Brett um, dubbed one of the uh, 
10 best things in America right now, this was in the, in the spring when we debuted it, was these hand pies, these savory hand pies. Um, and they're a cheddar cheese biscuit crust, mm. and they're done with, uh, we fill mm. them with red beans and rice, or there's a mm. cochon de lait, uh, uh, shrimp melaton, mm. all mm. these things. So, I mean, that, that was, I thought, a kind of a creative, no one was doing that. And of course, with the loss of Ubigs, um, we now have, a, also have a sweet pie, a fruit pie. And you can tell from my girth, I'm turning into savory Simon, cause, uh, you know, <laughs> You got you got to try everything, and and to you know that coin don't get higher in your own supply. I'm, I, you have to sample the products. So, yes, I probably gained twenty pounds in doing this, but um, Whoa. I'm uh, but happy. But you're on man. your feet all day. I'm on my feet, but yeah, you got to try that savory or that sweet, or yeah, you know, make sure it's right. Cause man, those savory sound great. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, we're doing I'm that too. Be looking for them next Come on time. Through. That that and the savory king cakes. I tell you this, I think is going to be the thing. Savory king cakes. What an idea. Yeah, you're right. Honest to God. Yeah. All right. Um, so um, you, you, we, we talked basically about how you got, um, now back to Kevin, um, to where you are with the beads. And you're saying you've got some things coming up. You're thinking about costumes. You're thinking about. Well, one thing at a time. But, yeah, costumes. I'm, I'm working on, I, I just, I think it's very. Sustainable imp- costumes? I, well, you know, I've got a character I'm trying to do something with. A character. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, it would be like coming up with a particular cost, an act. Cost, co- co- concept, a costume, and then you would sell that particular item. Uh, well, <laughs> this is uh, this this really is. You know, New Orleans needs a new <laughs> version of Frankie and Johnny's. Um, uh, Frankie and Johnny. Um, yeah, Frankie and Johnny's. Uh, this is, this is kind of a, just a takeoff that's, you know, in that same vein. This is just something for fun right now, but, um, but, you know, who knows? There's a company that's interested in having this character be their pitchman. That would be amazing. Yeah, it'd be fun. Because that gets into the blue dog territory. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get a character that everybody grabs onto, mm-hmm. and I mean, uh, I'm not a blue dog person particularly. I liked uh, a lot of, um, his work uh, that was uh, more art as opposed to um, brand, but um, that's that is the kind of stuff that uh, catches on and uh, and everybody wants one way or another. But uh, marketing is is a, a tough job for us here in New Orleans because first of all we're not a huge community. You know we're we're what I think we're still only about 350,000 people, okay. and um, more than half of those people. Um, don't have a dime, you know, really. Yeah. We have a lot of uh, very poor people in the city, and it, it has to do with our education system. It has to do with a lot of things. Um, the fact that we don't reinvest in, in – uh, in <laughs> it just I'm laughing because I just saw the character that he's talking about. That is hilarious. That is totally oh, wow. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie. Very New Orleans. Frankie. Yeah, very New Orleans. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, what else do you see? We just have a few minutes left, but um, uh, what else do you see in terms of um, ways that we can innovate uh, Carnival um, to make it, um, you know what, I want to say more socially relevant, more, and, you know, and make it not just about celebrating and fun and 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 balls and debutantes and floats and you know what else can we do to make a carnival bring it home I mean, so to speak bring it down for folks that's that's up to the cruise you know they, these are social aid and pleasure clubs they are they are crews with social missions rex does have a, a a pro bono side to what they do i mean they they do they do that but you know it's it's uh it's just a matter of how involved people are throughout the course of the year but all these crews have their social missions that they do in their volunteer hours and well at least the the board members certain members of the crew do so and i assume that those are some of the people that you're also approaching to see if they'll catch on to this um yeah this this fits into it do. so you know atlas handmade beads is really for riders come up with the name atlas because the because the beads are coming from uh, I want them to come from all over the world, you know, and and to where it would just be handcrafted. So the idea would be I want to support the saints, um, and so when I'm in the dome, I'm going to go to Atlas Handmade Beads and find items that I'm going to pick from Central America or, or Uganda or the United States, and they're all going to be something handcrafted out of whatever the material may be. That's that's what the idea is, a long term idea. 
Do you see um, Bywater Bakery becoming something more than a neighborhood bakery? You know, presently, um, we were uh, on the news channel this morning on the television news, and um, we were across the street from another bakery that was opening its sixth location today. Sixth? Uh, yeah. Not in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were pulling out, and, you know, we had the, the nervous jitters of being on TV and live television and, and trying to work that out. And, you know, we're wondering how we got our handfuls and, hands full and the staff that we have and how happy we are and how much work it is. And then we thought, wow, this first, this other bakery is opened up at six locations. I don't think I want to do that. I think that we have such a real thing going on in our present location to replicate it, duplicate it, wouldn't feel right for the sake of doing it, you know. Um, let alone, you know, we're asking we put open a bakery, bakery called Bywater that's out in the Bywater. But, I mean, aside from that, there's a, you know, it was real thoughtful to us, and we really want to do the best product that we can. And as far as growth, we'd like to wholesale. We'd like to expand our kitchen. We'd like to, you know, do more, have a walk-in freezer and have more things that we could do in, in this location. But as far as, you know, doing more of them, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work, and it's a real labor of love. And... I'm, you know, I'm pushing 60, and I don't know how much more of this I got in me. You know, I enjoy it. I really dig it. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a tough business, I think, uh, running a bakery. It oh, really, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the order of things, um, I mean, not that all business isn't tough. It's all tough. Mm. Um, my nonprofit business is tough. But um, I, I would think that uh, the, the hours that you have yeah, are they're, they're, very they're demanding. They're long and they're real, and I, I had a hip replacement surgery this time last year, uh, the last Mardi Gras, right? It, Three weeks before Marty got hip replacement surgery. And I'm a new man. Yes, it, it added years to my life. And, you know, it, it feels great to not be in that pain. And, and right. thank God for Obamacare and all those really wonderful things that were there that I hope will continue to be there. Um, You're giving me some encouragement because I got that coming up uh, uh, in my well, life. I've, it, I've already had changes. shoulder and knee and mm -hmm. hip is coming. Hip, hip, hooray. It's all I got to say. It's a, whole, <laughs> it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I, 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 hope that's, uh, I hope that's true for me, too. And Kevin, um, anybody else out there who's doing the kind of thing that you're doing? Yep. Uh, I don't mean beads per se, but just, you know, looking at the issue of, of transforming a carnival in one way or another and uh, looking at uh, innovative ways of doing it. Yeah, I think last year was a big year because of the article that came out from Channel 4 about the storm drains. And so people really started paying attention to about the, pl the plastic waste that was in the storm drains. And, um, you know, here's here's what's cool about this. Now – as of just maybe, what, a week or two, two weeks ago, now you can go into Plush Appeal to their large warehouse, the, one of the large bead suppliers, and you can find a wall of, for Atlas Handmade Beads inside of Plush Appeal. Wow. And okay. so, which is that great. That's that very important. Yep. And, and like I said, the, uh, the relationship with the ARC of Greater New Orleans, riders can purchase packages from the ARC that will have the majority of their items and then the sprinkling of the Atlas Beads items for their specialty throws. So some of those relationships are being built where, they, where folks want to just be a part of this. And then on top of that, there's, there's people who are out there trying to find, you know, what can we – there's articles that have been written over the past couple of years about folks in Baton Rouge and different parts of the state who are who are looking at, you know, can we make – there was an LSU researcher looking at can we make Mardi Gras beads out of algae and there's there's a lot of stuff that's out there that's kind of – some of it fits into the kooky category and some of it fits into the where it's actually in, in research and development phase. But um, – and then glass beads, you might be surprised that they're – you know, they're pretty popular again. There's, there's a whole – What does again, that mean? Uh, what kind of glass beads? Because the ones that uh, we had before were Czech. Yeah, so these are coming from India. And they're coming from different places, but I remember seeing the tag for India. But it's they're not they're not coming from the Czech Republic at this point. Um, but but yeah, you can go there and you can still find glass beads, and they're you know, might might be like a dollar or two dollars a piece. Um, again, as specialty throws. But uh, there's folks that are out there. Look, last year uh, a friend of mine um, who uh, worked for one of the environmental organizations. He he was his his take on it was like was that he was just sick of plastic beads in general, and he started that petition. This was like the day after he read that report about the storm drains, and he just started a petition, that online petition. Guys, I just want to ban beads altogether, and that was his take. 
And, you know, that's not mine, but that's, that's his. And so he got 10,000 or 15,000 people to sign that online petition. So there's a lot of people out there that just, maybe, maybe that was just them simply voicing their displeasure with plastic waste going into our storm drains. But all of those 10, 10 or 15,000 people, what do they really want? It's not like they want to be the Grinch of Mardi Gras. No, they want, they just want to be a part of something positive and they want to look for outlets, whether it's, whether it's this or whether it's opportunities for involvement. <laughs> you just reminded me of an item I saw. I'm going to say that it was probably in the business section of the New York Times because I'm a heavy Times reader every day, both print and online. And they were talking about how – oh, I know what it was. I was on the website of a PR company in New York, and I'm unfortunately not going to remember the name of it, but my granddaughter works there, so I should remember it. But um, it's WW – I don't know. Anyway, what they said was that they have determined that 85% – of consumers would prefer to buy from a corporation that has made a social commitment than to choose according to a brand for its own value. So a brand is, is you know, normally it would be like the Vuitton brand or the Gucci brand or something. No, they want to buy from a corporation that's doing some good. So it gets you into a sort of dangerous territory where some of the companies kind of fake it and they yeah. do what – what is that called? Not greenwashing. Green well, greenwash is one kind and then there's other kinds of – you know. Um, uh, but, but basically more and more people really do um, feel that uh, the corporations have sort of run away with the world and, and we are in, in danger in many ways. Um, uh, another quote that I that sticks in my mind came from an environmental person who said, "You know, I'm not worried about the Earth. The Earth is going to be okay. It's the human race that's in danger because we're doing ourselves in." So I'm worried about the Earth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in the other. I mean, I'm worried about both. But yeah, this is. We just need to have solutions. I mean, I looked at. The front front page article in the Washington Post today was about water in in Michigan, not in Flint, but in another city, about contaminated well water. And there's six million Americans that have this certain chemical inside of us from well water that was contaminated in Tucson and New York. And I mean, these are just things we it's just we just need to (laughs) you need to have positive ways to respond to the calamitous things that you can read out there. And this this is designed to be one of those many positive. Um, chances to respond. That's a very good point because it really gets depressing when you can't pick up a newspaper without reading the next environmental disaster, yeah. the next species that is dying off. All I want to do is tell victory stories. And, and I've, I've got some other things that I'd mentioned that you know, are associated with that core group of people that started that volunteer effort that we, I just victory stories need to be told when it con- concerning innovation having to do with the environment. I think that is about as good a closing statement as we're going to come up with tonight. Um, guys, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Gene. I Pleasure, respect Gene. both yep. of you so much for thanks, your thanks. artistry, for your entrepreneurship, and for your commitment to um, people and the earth. And You're, you're um, the one providing us the voice. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, Gene. So Pleasure much. to be here. And um, you have a blast for this carnival season. I'm going to get out there on Sunday. Yeah, I, was going to I, I will be there on Sunday, too, at Bywater Bakery for sure. Buy Water yep. Bakery from ten to, uh, 10 to 5 this coming Sunday. All, Al Carnival Time Johnson, who you're listening to right now. Deacon John, who's always gets you up out of your seat. Carlin Riley, one of my favorite drummers. Corey Henry, Tom McDermott, Pinette's Brass Band, Washboard Chess, Soul Brass Band, New Orleans Klezmer, All Stars, Indians, Baby Dolls, Skeletons. There is a very, very special piano player whose name I can't announce, but he's playing at 1 o'clock. A piano and voice that, trust me, you don't want to miss it. One o'clock. One o'clock. At Bywater Bakery, and you're at the corner of... Dauphine and Independence, 3624 Dauphine. Dauphine. What's the street before Independence uptown? Congress. Congress Street. And downtown? Uh, uh, Congress and... uh, Pauline. Pauline. And uh, parking, reasonable around well, there? Reasonable around, yeah. But for those who don't want to park, we got um, drive up king. We got drive up king cake. You don't have to park. You can come and get it and go. But what? stick Say around that here. Again? You didn't no say parking that required. Well, it's a drive-through king cake pickup. Also, oh, we want people no. to stick around. So stick now, around there's the a marketing idea if I ever heard one. All right, y'all. Uh, welcome to uh, Carnival Season. This is Gene Nathan. It's Cross Town Conversations. We've been with Kevin. Fitzwilliam and Alton Osborne, and it was a pleasure. Thank you all.